my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, 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 and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. As always, I am so excited to have you here on the podcast, to have you back. I hope that this podcast finds you well, finds you happy, finds you thriving, and that the resources that we share helps you make the most out of your relationships. And specifically, today's podcast is about friend relationships, about friendships. And so we are going to be talking with friendship coach and expert, Danielle Bayer-Jackson, all about how to make, keep, cultivate, nurture, and grow friendships as an adult. You know, the more I do this work and the deeper I get into it, you know, past healing people's trauma and helping them um, redefine how they see themselves and even past finding romantic partners, I have found that a consistent need that women have that they may not even know that they have until they start talking about it more is to have rich and true and consistent friendships. You know, friendships are our chosen family. Friendships are the relationships that are supposed to stay with us, or at least what we're taught that they are supposed to stay with us long-term for a lifetime. The ups and downs that can happen in friendships, not quite knowing how to make friendships, there being a myth, which um, Danielle's going to talk about, that we should automatically just know how to make a friend. And if we don't know that that means there's something wrong with us or that we're just meant to be alone, there's just so much that goes into this. So that's why I'm so excited that we have her on the podcast to break down what does friendship look like? How do we make this as an adult? And what I love about Danielle and why she's just so good at what she does and why I had her in a podcast is that she upholds one of my biggest values, which is practicality. So she is literally breaking down strategies and tools for all of us today to take into our everyday lives. Even now in the midst of a pandemic, when we, <laughs> it's funny, I was thinking about last week's podcast episode and then how quickly things changed. You know, we thought, Outside was opening fully back up and COVID is back. And she she's given strategies that even with that, even with us still figuring out our normal, uh, we can still nurture, build and grow friendships. So I can't wait for you to take a listen. And I hope that you find the resources here to be things that you can apply and that you apply quickly to to build the relationships that you want. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right on in. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. 
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. All right. So today I have Danielle Bayard Jackson with us. Hey, Danielle. Hello. How are you? I am fantastic. I am so excited to have you on this platform. I have been following you for a long time and learning about female friendships and learning about how to make them more full and rich and all the things that get in the way. And I am so excited to have you on the, on the podcast to talk about that with my audience as well. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. This is, this is an important topic of conversation. So I'm, I'm glad we're having the dialogue. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. So I always like for my guests to introduce themselves. Um, So I would love for you to tell the audience if some if some people haven't heard of you more about you. So my name is Danielle Byer Jackson. I am a publicist by day and a certified friendship coach at night, which often raises eyebrows. But what that means is, you know, think about it. You can get support for any other area in your life. So why not for your friendships, which some would argue is the most important relationship you'll ever have. Um, and so as a coach, women will come to me for one-off sessions to help them with anything ranging from making new friends because they moved to a new city or because they uh, had a baby and they realized all their friendships dissolved. Um, They'll bring me in when they're having a particular conflict with a friend and they feel like they have nobody to talk to about it. Or when they're struggling with grieving the end of a platonic uh, relationship. So that whole range of friendship complexities, that's what women kind of bring me in to support them with. And so far, it's been a really fun journey. Yeah, that's awesome. So your background is public relations. How did you get into the realm of friendship coaching? You know, it's funny. I always make the joke that, you know, being a friendship coach was never exactly on my, you know, vision board when I was like eight years old. So you know, it wasn't a thing, but I was actually a high school English teacher for six years teaching 17 and 18 year olds. So I often heard the drama between classes or they, you know, some of the girls would come to me after class in like a big sisterly way with their issues. And so I kind of helped them navigate it. I didn't realize what I was doing at the time, but I made the foolish mistake of dismissing it as teenage drama when I left the classroom and I got into public relations because when I got into PR, I started to realize here I am having conversations with these high powered women who own businesses and they're confiding in me that, you know, they have drama as well, or that they don't have any friends at all because they're so career focused. And that's when I had an aha moment of, oh, wait a second. This is something that, you know, grips us at every stage of womanhood. We're trying to figure out how to navigate friendships specifically with other women. And so I went home one night after a talk with a client and I just, I was curious. I went on Amazon and I was looking for books on friendship. And at the time there was virtually nothing. And if a a search result did pull it up, it was a book for kids. And I thought, wow, is this what we think of friendship? Like it's something kids need help with. And so I, I, you know, I already had my education background, but I went and got certified to coach. And then I just became obsessed with research surrounding female friendship. And so I've been doing this specifically for two years and um, it's been really interesting. That's great. Can you say a little bit more of why do you think it's hard for, for us to keep and maintain female friendships for some of us? I think the simplest answer is that we've never been taught how to do it. If you think about it, the extent of our conversation around friendship is you either have them or you don't. And if you don't, what's wrong with you? 
That's the extent of the conversation around having friends. And so we never learned how to do it. And it makes sense. You know, when you're in grade school, it, we fall into natural friendships. you got your classmates who you see every day for eight hours a day. You go to college, you're in the dorms, you got people right down the hall. And so it normally really kind of happens um, when we hit around the age of like 25, which that's the age research shows us that our social network grows exponentially until about that age, at which point it begins to decline rapidly. And it's because, hey, we've prioritized other things. Now we're focused on marriage, our career, we're having babies, we're moving. Um, and friendship kind of falls by the wayside. It's something we'll get to it if I have time. And then once we get out there on our own, without the social backdrop of an institution, school or work or something like that, we have an aha moment of, oh my gosh, how, how do I do this? Where, how do I make friends? You know, if I'm having drama with a friend, you know, we haven't normalized conflict enough to know, hey, talk through it. Y'all get some understanding and then move forward together, you know, but there's, you know, do we have models to show us how to work through that and, and that it's totally okay to have healthy conflict? So I, I think, you know, we haven't really been taught it. And we sometimes hear the echo chamber of other women who, you know, have distorted views of what it should be. And we emulate that. So I have a lot of theories, but the simplest response, I think, is that we struggle with friendships because we never learned uh, how to navigate them. So I have a question, and this may be a really basic question, but I think it's important, especially with what you just said about people having different models of what friendships should look like. How do you define friendship or I guess more specifically what a healthy friendship would look like? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that's actually the perfect question to start the conversation because I'm noticing sometimes when we use the word friend, we're having two different conversations and friend means something different to everybody. Some people use it loosely. Some people are like, oh no, you have to earn that title. And so on the most fundamental level, friendship is about a healthy and reciprocal relationship with someone where you can show up as your best self and as your worst self, and you're just eager to support each other. Uh, oftentimes, you know, I think we have a, a lot of mistakes that we make when we enter into a friendship, but we're thinking about how we can be served and we're looking for our people, for us who just get mm. us. But you are also required to show up and be a friend. Um, and so I think anything that's 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 healthy, where you can show up as as your real self and where both parties are eager to support the other, I think that's a, a good indicator of a, of a solid platonic relationship. So if I'm listening to this podcast and I'm thinking, I really want some good friends, where do I start? You know, the, the first thing I like to say, because a lot of people will come to me, the number one question is always, how do I make new friends? How, how? <laughs> and there's always some kind of qualifier. It's how do I make new friends as a student, as an introvert, as a mother. So there's always some kind of qualifier, but it's how do I make new friends? And the very first thing I like to start with is we often use the phrase make new friends synonymously with the phrase meet new people. And the two are not necessarily the same. So making new friends simply refers to the art of cultivating something meaningful with another person. And who says we have to start from scratch? So for a lot of us, we have people in our existing network that we've written off for whatever reason as a potential friend. So we know a lot of acquaintances who we think are great, but for whatever reason, we told ourselves 
there's not potential there to go further. So I always like to say, start with the people you already know, where you have mutual friends or where you used to work together and you already have some kind of, you know, touchstone uh, and some familiarity. And then there it's about, you know, momentum. It's about, you know, opening up a little bit and exercising a little more vulnerability than you normally would, which I could, you know, talk about just even that all day because, you know, we get that wrong, what it means to be vulnerable and, and things like that. But, you know, I'd say first start with how you can show up as a friend, um, where you think you're lacking, where you think your strengths are. And it, it does really require self-assessment. I like to start there. The second thing I say is to get really clear on what you expect, which again, sounds fundamental, but I begin every coaching session with that question. What do you even expect of friendship? Because right there, for some of us, I'm identifying problems at the root. If you expect somebody to be there every time you call, to have the right things to say, to just get you, and you don't have to communicate your boundaries or your needs, already we're having issues. And so, you know, get clear on what you expect of other people, of your capacity, you know, to show up what your limitations are. And then also, you know, finally to get the mindset right that it requires time. You know, I think this whole Insta friend thing that we expect is just it's just selling a lot of our friendships short. It does take time to nurture something and get comfortable to learn each other's humor and, and boundaries and to prove you're trustworthy. It takes time. So I think if we wrap our minds around those things, then we're ready to really get out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about the fact that it takes time? I think, you know, on this platform, I talk a lot about our feelings of unworthiness and how we can get really triggered by outside factors that we feel like confirms the fact that we're not worthy or that people don't want us or that things are always going to be this way for us. So what I make up is if someone is trying to make friends and it's taking longer than they may want, they may logically know it takes time, but it just reinforces this felt sense of loneliness as they're waiting for the official friendship title. So can you say a little bit more about how to deal with that waiting period? Oh, I love that. That's so true. And to your point, it goes back to kind of like, you know, the, the expectations and not getting discouraged, not starting to internalize, you know, why aren't we besties yet? What's wrong with me? Am I not interesting enough? Cool enough? And, you know, for, I want to look at that on the reverse end. If you expect things to move quickly and if they don't, you become discouraged, then my fear is that you're either ending relationships prematurely or you're trying to expedite the process and, and you're divulging too much too soon because you're hoping it brings you close. And so there are a lot of unhealthy things that come from an expectation that you should have you know, closeness and intimacy immediately. And if we don't get that right, we're going to create, you know, more, you know, issues. And so, yeah, you know, I do see women to your point who begin to think it's too late for me, or if this is taking a long time, what am I doing wrong? Or we often compare, well, she has friends that she's had since high school and I just met her and I'll never be, you know, as close as she is with those girls. And so we do a lot of mental things that even takes us out of the running. And so, you know, I know it's easier said than done, but I do like to advise, find a way to, to stay present. If, if we had a good dinner and a good laugh, I have to find a way to be satisfied that we had this really good moment of connection and then pair that with intention for more in the future. But if I'm like, okay, well, that went really well. And so now she can be my bestie and now let's plan vacations. And if she doesn't respond quickly enough to my text, what does that mean? I guess I'm not interesting enough. I guess she doesn't care anymore. And all those narratives that we create 
for ourselves and then our, it determines our behavior so we're responding to a story we told ourselves you know and so we have to kind of keep those things in check friendship but relationships just in general it does expose a lot of insecurities you know and, and when we get close to people sometimes we fear those insecurities will be exposed but you know that's why you know we said the the, the self-work is so important so that you can show up as a good friend and kind of have like a a balanced mindset and healthy expectations. But, you know, if it helps put anybody at ease, I like to share research too, to give us perspective. And one study that, you know, people in the friendship space tend to, to refer to a lot is a study by the University of Kansas, which attempted to quantify how long it takes to make a friend. Now, you know, not everything's an exact science, but what they came up with is that it takes about 50, five, zero hours to begin to consider somebody a familiar acquaintance. 90 hours to consider them a friend and 200 hours to consider somebody a best friend, which is like a jaw dropping number. But I always think like, hey, that's why so many people get close at work. You're spending 40 hours a week together. You see them all day long. So it is possible, but it requires intention. And so y'all go out to coffee. That's great. But how can you check in with her again? How can you, you know, schedule another phone call? How can you text her and say, hey, I was thinking of you or send her a link that's like, hey, you mentioned this in our last conversation. I knew you could appreciate this. I thought out of you, I'm sending it over. But how can we do the work to stay top of mind, to to um, foster closeness and, and comfort, and you know those beginning fundamental stages of true friendship? Yes, that is beautiful. Thank you for dropping those numbers too to quantify, because I think what is short and what's a long time is really relative, and so for people to have actual hours, I think that's going to help put a lot of things in perspective for people listening. So we are hopefully coming to the end of our pandemic. And so outside is opening back up. <laughs> and mm-hmm. But we're all dealing with the effects of the last year of quarantine, whether or not we've quarantined or not personally, it's affected the world. And so something that I'm noticing with the people that I serve, even people in myself or my people in my own friendship group, is that we don't know how to people anymore. We do not know how to socialize um, as well as we did before, even those of us who may consider ourselves extroverts. And so you mentioned when you're looking for a friend to be clear about what your, your capacity is. And so if I'm someone who wants to, I'm someone listening who wants to build a friendship, or build friendships. And I just don't have the same energy that I did pre-COVID. What would be your suggestions for starting with that? Oh, you are so spot on. You know, what you just mentioned, that whole, I don't know if I have the same capacity, actually ended up being the number one response we received when we interviewed 50 women a couple months ago. We asked them, what's your top post-pandemic friendship fear? What are you scared about when it comes to re-emerging and, and with friends? And, you know, the answers range from everything with, you know, I feel like I I lost my social skills to, you know, I feel guilty about reaching out to friends I haven't talked to in a year. How do I do that? But the number one response was, I don't think I have the same energy. I don't, I don't, I don't think I can do it like I did it before. And so, you know, you're spot on with that. You know, the first suggestion I give is to, you know, you have to be clear on what you have to give physically, mentally, and emotionally. And then the next step, and we hear it all the time. So we eye roll because we hear it so much, but it's to communicate that. And it's okay. You know, if I know that, you know, hey, I don't think I want to fill every single weekend with a social activity anymore great. 
that's that's good that you know that. Now the next step is the next time somebody invites you to something and you really don't want to go because you want to reserve this weekend for yourself to say that because the alternative is what we say yes out of guilt or for a lot of us fear of missing out. We fear that if I decline this invitation, that they're not going to invite me anymore. So I have to keep it going, you know? So it's, it's okay to say like, oh, that sounds like such a good time. I'm actually going to, you know, be in the house this weekend, but give me all the details on Monday, girl. You know, there, there's a, there's a way to decline gracefully and to say, you know, thank you for thinking of me. I'll catch y'all next time. Because you know that if you go, you're going to have resentment toward them that you're there. You're going to be dreading it all week leading up to the day. You know, I know for myself, I'll be honest, sometimes I sign up for things I really don't want to go. Then my husband's got to hear about it all week. Cause I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to go to this thing, but mm-hmm. that's on me, you know? And so confidently to say, uh, to know how much you can give. I don't know who to credit with this because I, I share it all the time and I don't know who made it up. It's, it's not mine, but I once heard somebody kind of refer to, you know, especially for introverts and extroverts, you know, the difference would be, you know, think of coins, having a certain amount of coins to spare every day. So an introvert wakes up and they only have 10 coins to give and they give those coins out throughout the day. And by the time they're done, they're out of coins or tapped out, but extroverts wake up ready to collect some coins. Like let's get some coins today. And so we love being social because every social interaction is collecting coins to us and that energizes us. So, you know, it sometimes starts there. Are you energized and recharged by alone time? You're probably an introvert and you need to manage that. Um, Some of us are doing things to burn ourselves out and we don't have time to pour into social event and friendships because we're doing so much on the other end. So, you know, it's important to have social time. I don't think the digital world will will ever replace in-person time ever, but you know, we've got to pour into that, but you've got to know, you got to know your capacity. You have to feel confident to exercise, you know, to communicate your boundaries. And then even with physical boundaries, you know, I'm, I now, I really just want to meet outside. That's where I can relax a little bit. I still get a little nervous about meeting inside, even though I'm, you know, personally I'm vaccinated. So sometimes I'll jokingly say, you know, I just got invited to dinner, you know, last night and I was like, okay, sounds good. We're sitting on the patio. Right. You know? And so, you know, there's a way to playfully say like, Hey, this is what I'm comfortable with. Um, and that way you don't have to have so much anxiety once you do arrive because you kind of set the terms before you went. And so know your capacity, that's important. But the next step would be to communicate them. So everyone's on the same page. So I don't know about you and the journey that you've had to build consistency in your relationships, but the roller coaster of overattaching to people and then hiding from relationships after disappointment and heartbreak is exhausting. And sometimes you can feel as if you're trying your best doing all the things only to end up in a dead end relationship or confused if there's something you're missing about what you're doing wrong or what you're bringing to the table. And so because of that, in our six-month coaching program from avoidant to available, we help single women clear the path to develop and nurture healthy relationships with available partnerships, with available friendships, with our special high-touch hybrid approach combining group coaching, community support, and private coaching check-ins. If you'd like to get off the roller coaster of being either addicted or avoiding in relationships to become balanced and available, feel free to learn more at our website by going to from avoidant to available.com and apply to join us in the next cohort. Is there a place sometimes for pushing 
or not maybe the right word isn't pushing, but maybe testing what you feel like your capacity is or how many coins you think you have. Um, especially because, you know, this podcast I talk. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Most of the women who listen to this podcast identify with being someone who's love avoided, right? And so constantly finding patterns to create distance and buffers and relationships. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. And so, you know, I just make up that we can have lots of justifications of why we only have five coins, but it's because we're so used to not really being open and vulnerable in relationships. And we actually need to push that a little bit just to see that the water is fine. And so I don't know if you would agree with that or adjust that. What are your thoughts? Totally. You know, I, I have a podcast called Friend Forward, and we recently interviewed a psychologist who specializes in, in anxiety, and her name is Ellen Hendrickson. And she said, you know, if you have some anxiety or you feel unworthy or you're not sure if you want to get out there, if you're 70% comfortable, do it. Because a lot of us are willing to be 100% comfortable, to be 100% ready. And for a lot of us, that won't ever naturally happen because of experiences we've had, you know, some complexes we've gathered along the road of life. But if you're, if you are able to reasonably assess the situation and there's no danger there, it's a little uncomfortable, but there's no real danger there. You do have to push yourself. And, you know, research tells us that sometimes, you know, you have to do the behavior before the the emotions catch up, but we are like, oh, I'm not feeling it. That doesn't feel natural to me. And, you know, that's a a, a worthy, valid emotion. I'm not comfortable. So I'm not going to do it. But sometimes we're not comfortable because we never do it. We never exercise the muscle and we have to flex the muscle to get comfortable. There, there is space to stretch, but we don't want to stretch ourselves because I'm not used to doing that. I'm not sure if I can handle that, but you have to try, you have to try. And so, you know, whether it's with getting out there and meeting new people or even socially, it doesn't have to, you don't have to go from being in the house all day to going to the gender reveal party. 
that's a big leap. There are a lot of social things between there. There's, you know, chatting a little more extensively with the, the uh, cashier at Target. There's having, a you know, a few more phone calls. There's inviting one person over in the living room at your house to, you know, just have a single cocktail for an hour and catch up. So there, it doesn't have to be jumping into the deep end in terms of like social engagement. It could just be tiny little things until you work yourself up to a room full of strangers. And now you feel like you have to network. And so when it comes to socializing, take baby steps, reach out to acquaintances and, and push yourself to do little one-on-one things till you're comfortable, sit on a patio and tell yourself you have an hour to catch up over lunch. So you know how much energy to store up and really go from there. But you're so right. And I've heard you say that before on this show because I listen and, and I think it's just, we have to stop telling ourselves the stories of, you know, well, I, this is the only capacity I have right now. If you never kind of push to see, okay, I, I am capable of more, but it signals to our brain. Once we try to do more and we're successful, that our brain's like, girl, you did that. You could do that. Okay. You know, <laughs> but, but how do we even give ourselves the, the opportunity? Right. Right. Yes. Yes. And especially prioritizing. So I still don't remember the exact phrasing you used, but I do remember the point which you actually just connected to, which if we want to build relationships, we have to prioritize the time and the space for it because we're always going to have competing obligations or thoughts or narratives, whether or not it's because we're an introvert or a mom or busy, or we're traveling, or whatever it might be, we have to say, okay, if friendships and relationships are important, I have to make sacred time to cultivate it, because it's not just going to happen, especially if I always have things that I will put in front of it. Yeah, it's it's funny, because, you know, I often get asked, uh, you know, why, why do you only talk to women and why do you, and, you know, I can give you a whole list of, of why, but there are some things that make women to woman friendship, especially, you know, special and unique. And one of the things I like to share is most of us are familiar with that study about fight or flight response. But when it was first done, they didn't incorporate many women into that study. So they did it again in the nineties and they found that women have more range. We don't just have fight or flight. We also have tend or befriend. And so when we're stressed, one of our responses is literally to go to other people. And they found that when women meet up, when they're stressed, being together releases oxytocin, which literally works to alleviate the stress. And so it's funny because we have that stereotype of, oh, where are you going to go tell all your friends and talk to all your friends? And it's like, yes, I am, because otherwise I'm going to, you know, really hurt you. So I need to go talk to my girls right now. And so, you know, there's real benefit to making time to spend with your friends. And I know a lot of us, you know, we already put up the hands as we're listening, but my job, but the kids, but and that's all true. All it means is we have to be even more intentional. And, and, and I know it doesn't sound sexy, but well, maybe now we have to put it on the calendar because, you know, it's not an episode of Girlfriends where we just happen to all be free at the same time at the cafe every day. Like that's not going to happen. It's not. And so, you know, we've got to put it on the calendar. Uh, a lot of us were grappling with, you know, how can I find extra hours in my day to spend time with friends? But we need to see it as how can I layer time instead of finding more hours. And so if I know that I do laundry every Sunday night, like clockwork, maybe I arrange to have a call with a friend and I say, Hey, I haven't heard your voice. I miss you. You want to do a catch up Sunday night around like eight ish for just like 30 minutes, you know, and I like to encourage clients to put a duration on it because a lot of times people are more inclined to say yes, if they know what to expect. And so you, you want to give them clear duration Sunday, eight o'clock, 30 minute catch up. And I just want to hear your voice. There's new uh, research study 
emerge, uh, I think late last year that found that just a 10 minute phone call boosts our mood with a friend, just a phone call. And, and yes, we all are all capable of it. I'm sorry, even the busiest woman, we've got 10 minutes. And so where can you layer in the phone call in your day, but you need it to boost your mood. You need it to de-stress. You need it as a reminder that you're not alone in this world and there's other people who care about you. And so all those things are so important and we have got to stop seeing friendship as a luxury and a, and a nice to have. And we need to start viewing it from a health perspective. It's a need to have. And I need time with my friends. I need to connect with other women for the sake of my mental, physical, and emotional health. Mm, yes to everything you just said. You know, sometimes I wish that I could just make words bigger and bold and just shout them from the rooftop um, because that is so important that this is a physical, biological need. I think especially in our world that is very male-dominated and male-focused, a lot of things that are considered more feminine or related to people who identify as women like friendship, like kindness, like service, like all these other things, they get diminish in value. And it's more, you know, we got to succeed and achieve and accomplish um, versus connecting is so vital for us to have a healthy and productive life, which is why we will go through life wondering what's missing. And it's because we don't have constant um, healthy connection to emotional nourishment, to physical nourishment and comfort. And so we will make decisions from there in hopes of trying to get that because we don't have healthy sources in the first place. Yes. Oh, and I, and I love that you use that word nourishment. That's so good. And that's, and I mean, it's true. And, you know, they, I think, you know, I keep saying research and I need to be more specific with studies, but, you know, research tells us that the single greatest determining factor of our overall well-being and life satisfaction is the quality of our relationships, not your marital status, not your income. And, and ironically, those are the things we strive for, but the quality of your relationships. And so, you know, we, I, I've had a whole podcast episode on this before, but, you know, I know another talking point is often that we sometimes invest so much in our romantic relationships. And, you know, I have theories on that. I don't know if it's because, you know, we live in a world that culturally for women, we're more celebrated when we're partnered. I don't know if it's that. And so we are eager to find the one and we put in the work and, you know, we, we, we stay after a person's betrayed us multiple times because we're trying to make it work, you know, with this person and we don't celebrate, wow, she has a steady group of, of solid friends. No one's throwing a party for that, you know? So I don't know if that, you know, kind of contributes to it too, but, you know, there's nothing about, you know, even at the root of your romantic relationships is friendship. At the heart of a good romantic relationship is two people who know how to be good friends. And so, you know, we, we've got to put that first because, you know, to your point, it does nourish us in so many ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess my next to last final question is I'm listening. I want to, I'm, I'm bought in. I want to find friendships. I have a self-assess and figured out what it is that I want, what my capacity is and what my intentions are. And now I'm ready to make it happen. And work is not an option because I work from home. So what is my next step? Okay. So this is my favorite. I often say, you know, I know coaches and therapists, we are like, you know, everybody stay in their lane. I'm quick to say I'm no therapist, but I'm a coach and, and coaches. What we specialize in is, 
you know, what do you want to know how to do firmly? We can talk strategies all day. So, so this is my jam. And so I have a hundred strategies for how to make friends, but, you know, I'll share with you four that I think are quick, easy. You can do them today. So the very first thing I like to suggest is to start with your super connector friends. So these are the people we know who are super extroverted and they thrive on bringing two people together. So I'm one of those people. I like to be like, oh my God, Maria, you should meet my friend, Michelle. Like you two will love each other. That's fun for me. We all know that person. So one strategy is to reach out to that person, DM, text, and just say, you know, here's your script to say, hey, I'm trying to get more plugged in. And I thought of you because you're always with a group of people. You're always doing something really fun. And so I just wanted to ask, is there anything in town, you know, worth checking out? Any events you'd recommend? So one thing that this does is it sets you up to get some really good recommendations of where to go to meet new friends. But another possibility is sometimes these super connectors are like, oh yeah, as a matter of fact, we're going this place on Tuesday, you should come with us. And what that does is kind of give you an in and you're not putting yourself out there super vulnerably to say, can I come with you? But a lot of times they offer that on their own because you said, I'm trying to get plugged in. So sometimes it leads to an invite. And the reason this is helpful is because if somebody introduces you to their friends, those friends transfer the trust that they have on the super connector onto you. And it helps to kind of expedite the potential for friendship because they're like, oh, you know, Jamie, okay, well, a friend of Jamie is a friend of mine. And so the first strategy would be to reach out to your super connector friends and communicate your need. But so many of us don't want to say we're looking for friends and that we're trying to get out there because we feel like, oh, I look desperate. I, I don't want to look and we're all thinking it. We all want to connect. It's not just you. And so just make it plain. So, you know, the first strategy would be to, to hook up with those super connector friends because they're, they're really eager to put you in touch with opportunities. The second strategy would be to find a way to integrate more routine into your day. And this is especially for my new, you know, my newbies with the work from home environment, because a lot of us will stay home all day and simultaneously say, God, I feel disconnected. And so, I mean, it starts small. Do you have a dog? You should be walking your dog at the same time or on the same path every day because moms are out there with their kids doing the same thing every day. The same person is landscaping in the yard. The same other people are walking every day. They are creatures of habit. So how can you find a way to create more of those serendipitous moments of falling into organic conversation with a stranger? You know, can you make yourself work at the same coffee shop every Friday at 11? And that's just when you're going to get out of the house. But we don't even have opportunity to see other faces because we think it's either, you know, at home all day or we have to go to parties. And there's other ways to create opportunities to socialize. So the second thing would be to kind of create those routines for yourself to get out of the house, but it's got to be the same thing each time so that you can see familiar faces. And now y'all feel comfortable saying hello to each other. Strategy number three to find new friends is one that you've heard of before, but I don't think that we're doing it right. And so a lot of us are familiar with websites like Meetup and EET up meetup.com and other online uh, websites that allow us to find specialized interest groups and to link up. You know, one equivalent might be like a Facebook group or, or something like that. So some of us roll our eyes at the strategy because we're like, well, yeah, duh, of course. But here's the mistake we're constantly making is we'll attend a meetup, whether it's like a virtual event or an in-person one. We'll go to one of those interest groups and we say to ourselves, ah, I wasn't feeling it. We don't go anymore. And I always challenge clients to go three times, three full times for two reasons. One, how do you breed familiarity with anybody in the group if you went one time and then you weren't feeling the sparks and then you leave? 
What this does is give you an opportunity to say like, hey, on my third time, I can say to somebody, hey, last week you mentioned something about your dog being sick. Like, how did that go? Or, hey, you mentioned something about your job and I was thinking about it this week. I think I know somebody who works with you, but I don't have that if I only go one time and I say, I didn't find my people, I'm never going again. And so you have to go to start to feel familiar with people in order to get comfortable and to feel close and to have some kind of connection. And the second mistake that we often make is if I go and I'm secretly kind of waiting for people to impress me, like I'm auditioning them and I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. And then I leave, it affects how I engage. And so I should be showing up when I show up and I'm going to ask questions and get people's names and mingle a little bit. And now it makes it easier to go the second time and the third time. But if I'm telling myself this might be the only time, it's directly going to affect how I engage once I'm there. And so I like to say, give it three times and really show up. And that's how you start to feel more comfortable with the people who are there and then lay the foundation for a potential friendship. And then the fourth tip that I like to give, you know, for those of us who are not going out and about and and we feel comfortable staying inside right now is a lot of us are doing the Zoom meetings and the Zoom happy hours or whatever, but we just show up and then we leave that moment to that moment. So I'll have a meeting and then when we're done, we're done and I move on to something else. But if we start to train our brain to look for opportunities to connect, I think you'll be surprised by you know how many opportunities there are. So for example, let's say I'm attending a work meeting and somebody says something really funny in the meeting or somebody asks a really great question. When that meeting's over, it's not over. A lot of us don't carry momentum. That's where things drop off and go cold. So I'm going to keep momentum from that meeting. I'm going to send a one-on-one email to the person who asked a question or said something funny. And literally just two sentences. I'm going to say, you know, the girl's name is Sherry. I said, hey, Sherry, you know, um, good seeing you in the meeting today. I just wanted to reach out to say thank you for asking that question because I was thinking it, but I wasn't feeling bold enough to say it. So I'm glad you asked it because I was dying to know the answer. So just shooting the message to say, I appreciate you. Thanks for asking that. That is it because it opens the door for her to say like, oh my gosh, I know, right? Well, they need to be clear on the expectations. Am I right? You know, but it opens the window for us to start having banter. And I'm also signaling to her that I'm open, that I'm warm, I'm friendly, I see you, but I'm signaling to her that I'd like more, that I think she's cool and that's it, whatever. Um, But a lot of us, we have our meetings, we go and when it's over, it's over. And then we go to the next thing. But how can you extend? How can you extend moments of connections after we've all left the Zoom room. Um, so I think a lot of us would find that there's there's the material and potential. We just have to train our eyes to start seeing it. Yes, yes. I love what you just said about sliding in somebody's DMs, but for friendship. I'm going to add something that I think is important because sometimes people will slide into my DMs and I can I can tell that they want to build a connection and they'll say something like, we should like, I really love what you do, or I I agree with that. And, you know, we should talk more or something. And I'm like, okay, but they don't tell me what they want. And it's this really open-ended invitation. And I got a lot of stuff going on. And so it's not really about whether or not I'm interested. There's not anything specific I can say yes or no to. But if someone was like, hey, you know, I'm also in Houston, Um, we should get together for brunch on Sunday at 2 p.m. at this place. Do you want to go with me? That's something I can do a specific yes or no to versus we should hang out sometime. I'm in Houston. I don't 
ma'am, I, I would love to, but please help me. <laughs> help me help you, right? Oh my gosh, that's so good. Yes, and I, I always give a formula to clients for that very reason. We'll say, well, it just fell off. I, I thought we were cool, but she didn't respond or we were both like, yeah, we should get together. But then it still requires the mental labor of figuring out, oh, okay, whose turn is it? What to do? I have to figure out what we're gonna. And so I always say, you know, if you're doing an invite, you need three components. You need to give an objective. So what are we talking about? Once we get there, like, why are we getting together? These days we're all, you know, a lot of us are a little more suspicious than we we used to be because it's like are you are you selling me on something is this genuine so what's your objective do you have somebody you guys both know in common or are you guys both from the same place or what do you want to talk about when you get together the second thing is to have a date and time and then finally a duration like we talked about before hey do you want to grab you know brunch around noon for just like an hour to you know get to know each other because i'm new to the city you know so um so that's such a great point because a lot of us have that complaint about on the other end, oh, I reached out to her and told her we should get together, but she didn't respond. You're the woman. You're the woman who's not responding because you're like, girl, I don't, what do you want to do here? Like, get more clear. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that that those specifics are important. Yeah, yeah. And then just to follow up to that, just because now I'm worried that I might get a lot of DMs from people that <laughs> live in Houston. Um, sometimes when people say no or they're not available, it has nothing to do with who you are, or your value, but they just are, are busy, right? And they, going back to what you said about capacity, they just don't have the capacity, but had it been any other time or date or place, it would be on and popping, right? So going back to those, those feelings of self-worth and how we can look for evidence to reinforce that someone doesn't like us or that they're mean or they're judging us or that this never works out for me, friendship just isn't available for me, uh, to do the work, to step out of those triggers, to heal that so that you can be fully present and know I have worth and value in all relationships. And if this person is not available, that has nothing to do with me. It just has whatever to do with their status. And I can find friendships with so many people. The world is open to me. Oh my gosh. So true. And we have to think about, you know, how exhausting some of us are, are tired and scared, but how exhausting if, you know, your confidence in yourself and your worth is always going to be reliant on what the last person said to you. That sounds like such a burden, you know? And so at some point, you know, for, for some clients who do express this, you know, feeling of, well, gosh, nobody gets back to me and all my friendships fail. And I guess I'm just not, I, I first start and say, what are the things you know about yourself? to be absolutely true. Like nobody can tell you differently. They just can't, but especially when it comes to being a friend, you are a phenomenal listener or you are such a giver or you are hilarious and you crack your friends up. What do you know to be true about what it is you have to offer as a friend? And you have to get clear on that so that you're not so shaky and wavering every time somebody is like, oh yeah, actually I can't make it to brunch. To your point, it, maybe she just can't make it to brunch. Maybe she is, you know, tapped out on her, you know, social range right now. But that doesn't mean that I am not interesting, worthy, lovable. It doesn't mean any of those things. And so it's just, you know, it's, it's totally a mental thing. And we have to hold tightly to those truths um, so that we're not distraught, you know, every time someone's unavailable, which is just, which is just natural. And it's about finding people who are available at the right time and, and who are willing to um, pour into you in, in a reciprocal way. Absolutely. Danielle, this has been so good. Uh, I've learned so much and I'm so excited for 
all the women who have needed this, who have been wanting female friendships and doing everything they knew in their own power, how to get, get there. And I know you dropped so many gems and you have resources available before we get into the resources and how people can connect with you outside this podcast. Was there anything else that any final words you would want to share or thoughts that you had before we close? My last little bit of encouragement is just that, you know, remember that it's not too late and you can find your quote unquote people literally anytime you want. You know, if you're just willing to be a friend and to put in the time, I mean, there's the possibilities for friendship really are endless. And so I hope women hold on to that truth because it, it, in my opinion, it all comes down to that. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Well, how can we find you? Tell us how we can connect. Yeah. So our website is betterfemalefriendships.com. The name of the the business is Friend Forward, but everything's housed at betterfemalefriendships.com. And um, we recently launched a a six-week program to equip you with everything you need to master adult friendships. Uh, So from mindset to making connections, to keeping momentum, and even how to exit a friendship gracefully because they're not all meant to last. Um, So it takes you through the full scope of friendship and, and you can learn more about that there. But, you know, I'm, I'm eager to connect with women, even on Instagram at friend forward. And I'm always doing videos every week on TikTok at the friendship expert. Yes, those are great. And she gives homework. Don't, don't get ready to screenshot. <laughs> get your thumb ready. To screenshot That's right. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danielle, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. 